And when I uh, say this, we never got a penny from them. That's not hyperbole. I'm not paraphrasing. We literally never got one cent in royalties from them ever. I've never received a royalty check from Victory Records ever. And all in, we've sold about 110,000 albums for them. From Kansas City to New York City, from planet Earth to extraterrestrial life in space, a podcast with no equal, engaged in unconventional warfare through your speakers and headphones. This is a show about embracing the suck, conquering your demons, and finding God in the face of adversity. Chris Tonto Peranto. Switch is on. Mother I'm going to shoot you in the face. Ian Scotto. You know, Ian and I have been dating for a long time. You are now tuned into the Battle Line Podcast. The Switch is on, Battleline Podcast. Joining us, very excited, Scott Ian Lewis, vocalist and co-founding member of Carn Effects, uh, yeah. author, comic creator. He's on to promote the upcoming ninth full-length studio album, October 6th, uh, Necromantium. And I actually, for one, it's a pleasure to have you on, man. But the, the way that this happened was you guys who are the listeners know um, just a couple of months back, we had uh, Corey Taylor from Slipknot yeah. on. The tie in there was he has the Taylor Foundation, which is a veterans um, organization helping vets coming back with post-traumatic stress and that type of thing. And when we put up the uh, Instagram stuff and Chris's post went up, I saw Scott Ian Lewis commented on it. And I'm like, dude, did you know Scott Ian Lewis from Carnifex is a fan of yours? And the reason it was cool to me is like, there's bands that you expect that from, like Five Finger Death Punch type bands. And if they were fans of Chris's, I'd be like, oh, all right, that's cool. But I love when these two different worlds collide because it's, well, you know, the extreme metal genre is its own, it's, its own thing, its own scene. I don't know. I mean, because, you know, and it's got, how I, you know, we used to call it, I know it's death death metal, and then it was thrash. Then I know there's different words. I mean, I, there's so many f- different words for every it's just every it's like but metal. but you know you know cannibal corpse was big when i was when i was growing up and that was big in the military and i'm not trying to give props out to a band, competing Same, band or nothing yeah. like but but you know a lot of the guys that that hey man that's 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 kicking indoor music that you're playing so you know it, it was actually pretty yeah. cool and and uh to see that i'm like yeah i i can I could see, yeah, I could see current fix with the military and with a lot of the guys, because, because, you know, the guttural sound that you guys have, it's just, and, and you do have to go to those dark places. There are places that, that I even told somebody today, it's like, Hey man, when you're kicking in a door out, yeah, I'm a Christian. I believe in God, but you still have to, you have to dig in those f- holes to, to go to those dark places to do bad things to bad people. And whether you like it or not, man, that's your music. At least in my opinion, I mean, that's that helped. That does assist oh, yeah. to go no, to those dark places. 
You're dead on, man. You're dead on. And, and actually, I've, I've had the fortune of hearing a lot of great stories from guys in the service, whether it be Army, Marines, you know, wherever, that say, you know, dude, I was, you know, launching 50 cal rounds to your music or like you're saying, kicking indoors. And actually, uh, one of the guys that became a good friend of mine um, was a Ranger, uh, third bat and 75th. Oh, and so, yeah, yeah. Um, not not to tell his story, give any of his, you know, life away, but he we became good friends and he actually got to interview him for a script I was working on and, and told me some of his experiences. And um I've always just had an immense amount of respect for those dudes. Who who I, I was second ranger, so I was with the better battalion. I if he's listening he's like that I was like oh, oh. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, no, I'm kidding. Third ranger, those guys are hardcore I'm down at the flagpole. Who what can you mind me asking? I mean it's uh, it's, there- it's it's, it's was his name no yeah. that's do you, it, do you, i don't know if you know that name but yeah i know that i know the name we don't know each other actually okay. i do know the name i i do and uh do you mind telling what you guys used to talk about a little bit i, I know uh, we're getting off subject a little yeah bit, I, I don't know bleep, bleep his name out or something because i i feel like i don't want to you know i don't want to tell yeah that's fine bleep, bleep it out harold <laughs> yeah we'll, we'll yeah, yeah uh but uh, i mean you know i was so i was working on a script that that actually the, the league character was, was a former ranger and and so i really wanted to get in deep with it and growing up like full metal jacket was yeah. my favorite movie you know absolutely <laughs> loved it you know and uh, you know my my dad was uh was in the navy as well so he he would tell me stories about uh what he did and he got drafted for vietnam and and all that stuff and so he, he would tell me his stories wow. and so I, I just always loved it and then when i got into writing i'm like hey if i'm going to try to create a character with this type of background you know i really do need to get into it and get some real stories and i he told me some rough ones and i i really don't i feel a little weird about telling his stories but you know they're they're on deployment and i think they were coming home in about two weeks and they were they're they're guarding a uh a a voting location a local vote out there (laughs) and uh you know trying to keep the democracy thing the hope alive right yeah and you know, there's a couple points of entry and they got some dudes stationed at each one and, you know, they're going home in two weeks and everything was chill until it wasn't. Yeah. And, uh, you know, someone got in and, and, and detonated a vest or something. They don't know exactly what. And all of a sudden, you know, it's chaos. It's, it's death, it's violence. And they're trying to figure out where, where this guy come from, you know, and it's, it was stuff like that where it, it, it goes from, you know, you're talking about what you're going to do, getting home just in time for Fourth of July. To all of a sudden, is all of a sudden it's that, you know, which yeah, uh, even right now kind of gives me chills. Like I just, uh, you know, my hats off to those guys, and and uh, I don't mean to tell his story, but but just to give you, I guess, insight into what well, we spoke about. It, that was good. it. It's, it's good. It's good to hear. I mean, it's good for people, and it, it's good that that you you take those stories to heart because there's there are many that don't. There are many out there that, again, it's it's so far away removed from their life. It's like watching a movie. I, I'll be honest, with you. and don't get me wrong. I love our movie. I love war movies out there. I, I some of my mm-hmm. buddies from Black Hawk Down, Dale Sizemore is a good friend, Danny McKnight. You know, they see it as movies, but when it really does happen, like I said, you get in chills. I, honestly, that makes me feel good because it makes me feel like you you really take this start you understand you you understand as best as you can 
because it is it, it is it, it's 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 tough to to be going home or even even that i'm benghazi i was i stayed two weeks later i was supposed to mm. go home two weeks and i was three of us did roan was one of them it cost him his life he was supposed to go home two weeks earlier and it always seems to happen when you're about ready to go home <laughs> seems like um but you know that's one thing is is that the sacrifice and, and that 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 went on with the guys and, and again, you willing to take that to heart. It does mean a lot to veterans and people like myself. It's like, well, it wasn't all in vain, even though we realized later the politicians and foreign policies. Yeah. It was all horse shit. And I know that now um, I still would go back and do it again. Cause I love working. I love the job. But when people like yourself say it and say it with heart, it, it makes us like, okay, you know, it, it still was worth it. And I'm sure I'm sure yeah. he would say the same thing if he already hasn't said the same thing to you. Yeah, I, I he would have to answer that question for you. But yeah, I, I do take it to heart, and and I'm you know I, I feel like a cliche saying it, but <laughs> I personally I feel a little guilty for for not doing my part sometimes, you know, and because uh, you know I was telling uh, Ian right before uh, we went live is you know I. I grew up in Fallbrook, which is right off the North Gate at Camp Pendleton. Yeah. And, you know, Coronado is 20 minutes away yeah. from me. I can see San Clemente Island from my house. Uh, obviously, you know, uh, MCRD is just down the five. Yeah. So I grew up around that stuff. My grandfather was a Navy officer, was on the USS Essex. He was like the fourth in command on that ship. My grandfather on my dad's side was an FC3. And, and my dad was in the Navy as well. And we have other extended family that served that was in the Marine Corps. So I feel like I dodged this bullet being, you know, I was, I turned 18 in 2002. So I was, wow. it was like the stars aligned for, for it to all go down. But, you know, I was doing the, I was super interested in being a cop at the time, you know? Um, so I was a <laughs> San Diego County Sheriff Explorer and, uh, I was doing the cop thing and then uh, I aged out of the program when I was 19 and applied. Uh, but, you know, this is, this is oh, what, oh, two, late oh, two, yeah. early oh, three. Uh, law enforcement wasn't really hiring the way they are now. You know, their their ranks were full and yeah. people weren't retiring. So I didn't get hired. You know, 19 year old kid. Of course, I didn't get hired. And uh, and then a year later, this this band blows up off of MySpace and we just got shot out of this cannon and wasn't until the pandemic hit. I even, you know, took my head up to breathe. And so somehow in there, you know, even our, our first bass player, Stevie, uh, who was on our first record, he joined the army in 2007 um, and went and served till 2013, 2014. No. Um, and so, I don't know, it was just like all around me and, but it just didn't happen. And I, sometimes I feel guilt about that you know it's like damn i sh should have gone down my heart but I, I you, you may have a bullet with your name on it. that's what i told guys don't ever think that if you were supposed to go down that journey that path then it would have went I, I do believe we have paths i really do now we take turns left to right or we get off the road a little bit we come back but i, I do believe that if that was your path that would have been it i mean I, how many if the band blew up. How how often does that happen? It doesn't happen very often. So that especially a band, especially a band of yeah. Carnifex's genre. It's like yeah. it's such extreme metal that there, and I know what time frame you're talking about because we were talking before we recorded about bands like Amur and and like MySpace yeah. was this hub. 
yeah. for extreme metal that really never would have mm -hmm. been at the forefront, I feel like. And just around that time, like mid-2000s, stuff started to really take off. You're totally right. And, you know, when we put that stuff up on MySpace, uh, it was so early. You know, this is, this is summer of 2005 that uh, we had no expectation, you know, going viral. Well, first of all, going viral wasn't a word or wasn't yeah, a yeah. known yeah. phrase. Um, so we had no expectation. We were just trying to play bars, you know, and just dumped it. And it's funny because I remember uh, our 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 old guitarist the, instead of Carnifex, the other name he wanted to call the band was Hollow Point. Oh no, she said <laughs> we, we were like, yeah, we were like, well, you know, there's this band in in uh, San Marcos called the Hollow Point, so we got to pick something else, right? Oh, so that'd have been badass, man. Executioner. <laughs> um, I know, right? So, you know, his, uh, Rick was his name, our first guitarist. His, his roommate was was a Marine. I was stationed in Camp Pendleton. So, you know, we always had that stuff around us. And then, yeah, the band took off and we started touring in 2006. Um, like, you know, quit my job, the whole deal, just out on the road full time. And then that kept up until 2020 when the pandemic happened. So it was pretty, no time to like lift your head up and think, you know? Uh, yeah, the one thing I was wondering about that, too, is, you know, with your music, I was speaking with Chris, I think, last week about he was talking about the metal genres and he and he called you guys thrash metal. And I was like, Carnivax is more like death well, metal I, I, well, that's, or I, death so that's core. What we call, that's what we called it when I was in high school. I mean, <laughs> yeah, but thrash is like Slayer, Megadeth. But but the reason I ask is because I wonder, like, what bands uh, did you draw inspiration from? Because I feel like um, when we were talking about bands like Amura, the Acacia Strain, bands that are considered more that death core genre. You guys are like a cross between that, but then also the traditional death metal of like Cannibal Corpse, who Chris yeah. mentioned, or more of an angel. It, you guys yeah. are kind of like a bridge between those two. Like, or even who like inspired who inspired the sound of Carnifex? Right. Yeah, it, it's funny you guys keep mentioning Cannibal Corpse because literally, no joke, uh, the two bands that inspired our sound the most are Cannibal Corpse and Bleeding Through, and our whole our whole outlook was like, let's just put those two bands together. So. If you listen to Bleeding Through, you know, you know they have breakdowns and and kind of more of like a a, a metalcore structure to their songs, and then obviously cannibals, gutturals, blast beats, and brutality. We just said, what happens if you mash them together? And that was that was Carnifex. That, that was our all recipe right there. By the way, how great is the uh, Ace Ventura scene with Cannibal yeah. Corpse? <laughs> oh, it's it's awesome. I was I was, I mean. It was inspiring, uh, actually. You know, you're like, dang, we could be in a movie, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, yeah, and we're gonna be all over the place, uh, Scott, because well, music. But I, I get back to the military stuff. So I didn't realize your father, you, you know, your, your father, grandfather, were military, and yeah, yeah how was yeah. it? You know, yeah, it's not. It's, he was was he a marine? He said navy, not a marine. He was in the navy, or was he was one of them a marine? Navy, yeah, all. Yeah, my both my grandfathers and my dad, they were all Navy. So, and now you grew up around all those bases. How the hell were they? First of all, how did they let you even start a band? Especially at that time, man. I mean, you well, must have, you, you know, must that's have been why this... I ended up in a band. Because I wasn't supposed to, you know. That was, I, you know, honestly, I think that that's where a lot of the, the my, like, desire to be in a band came from. Was, you know, I'm a rebellious oh, yeah. boy, right? A rebellious young man. And it was, I grew up in a, a very strict household, as you may imagine. Yeah. You know, my mom grew up with, with her dad doing white glove inspections straight up. 
And so uh, when she, when it came down to raise us, it was very strict. You know, everything had to be clean. You know, I had lots of chores. They had to be done right the first time. Otherwise, that, you know, that was the end of my weekend. Um, so, you know, when you're young, growing up like that, of course, you want to you want to get away from it as fast as you can. Uh, now, as an adult, I'm, I'm like, you know, I'm going to raise my son yes. the exact same way, <laughs> you know, teach him some structure and some follow through. But when you're young, you know, it's like, what can I do to get out from under this thumb? And for me, it was was music, right? Music was my little re- rebellion. And I was, you know, doing the cop thing. So even even being an explorer, you know, it's from 16 to 19, obviously still pretty strict there. And and I was mentioned to Ian right before we started was, uh, you know, my TO was a Vietnam vet. And I, I started in the Explorers in 2000. But then in 01, 9-11 rolls around. And the exact words my TO said to us were, hey, there's guys downrange taking care of that. We're here on the home front. We need to take care of this. And he got super serious with all of us about teaching us about the job and and just looking out for the person next to you. And, you know, if you want to be if you want to be a cop, like you need to see what the job's actually like. and You need to be prepared for it. So that that was super strict, like trying to perform at that level as a, you know, 17 year old, 18 year old. And then I again, I thought it was going to be my profession. That was really where I was was all headed. Um, and then, you know, not getting hired, I, my 19 year old brain couldn't really, uh, you know, figure out why I I was like, well, I don't understand. You know, I got a letter of recommendation from, from my TO, Uh, you know, I showed up, I didn't like my job, you know, cause I graduated high school when I was 16. I got a GED. Uh, I started working uh, at a mortuary. Uh, which is a whole thing in itself because one of my other buddies who's an explorer he goes yeah he, he goes that's a good job you need to start desensitizing yourself <laughs> you know <laughs> so i was working at this mortuary as a funeral director um and then just doing <laughs> c-shift ride-alongs like three four times a week you know did probably two three hundred ride-alongs and wow. saw the whole gamut as a kid yeah. you know um we saved the girl's life one time that she tried to eat a bunch of pills and, and kill herself. And where we're at in San Diego, like it, it can be kind of rural if you, if you go a little East in the County and we were, we were up in uh, the Valley center area, which is kind of out there. And uh, basically the, the math on getting an ambulance out there versus us just taking her to the hospital was, you know, we got to just take her. And so we took her and, and, and this was probably, you know, I don't know, midnight, one in the morning, something like that get to the hospital, they pump her stomach, they take care of her. And then at the end of our shift, 6 a.m., you know, we go back by and she's up and alert, sitting up in bed, you know, drinking orange juice. And she like thanked us and her mom was there. And like, that was like one of the best feelings ever. And that that was like a moment where like, I was like, man, this is, I cannot freaking cop. And so when it didn't happen, I kind of was like, well, what now? You know? And, uh, I was just working a construction gig and then the band blew up and I kind of put all my energy into that. So it's weird how life happens sometimes. Yeah. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You know? yeah, it is. It, it is. When did you find time, man? When, when did you have time to play? And I mean, the band just blows up. It doesn't just. You had to. You had to get better and better and better. I mean, it sounds like you were getting up, working all day, and then were you just busting your ass on the weekends, or just playing the clubs when you could, whenever in the yes. middle of the night, or, or how that? I I had that. I had that twenty-year-old energy, you know, <laughs> where you could just go, go, go. I don't. I look back now and I go, man, I could, I could not do that again. But yeah, at the time, I, I just had that twenty-year-old's energy, and yeah, it was just, you know, once I aged out of the sport program, I, my, you know, my yeah. life freed up a bunch. Um, and so really, I was just doing the band and working. And and that was pretty much it. And I was in a hot rods, so I had like an old car I'd work on sometimes. But uh, really, I think I, I've always been one of those people that like uh, if I can put a lot of energy into something, I, I, I like that. Like it's good for me to like try to take it as far as you can. Like I was really way into BMX as a kid, and you know I would like spend weeks building these BMX tracks like out in the field across the street, just, just digging in the summer, building all these jumps and. We would just ride all day, every day. We just try to make these jumps bigger and bigger and bigger to the point where like, like the jumps were like taller than me at some point. <laughs> and that's just how I've been. I just always want to take something as far as I can go. And so with the band, when I met Sean, the guy that uh, we started the band together, he, he had a similar personality. And so you put the two of us together and we just never let it up. I know you being in San Diego has its own metal scene, just like here being in New York, we have our own metal scene and you, you go to see bands every week. I was one of those kids. And even if a band is great, it really is a needle in, in a haystack that that band is going to blow up in the national level. I mean, Carn effects have had albums that have charted on billboard. So I'm just wondering at what point did you realize like, okay, this is not just a chapter of my life. This is going to go on to be what I do professionally uh yeah you're right about that it's the music industry is like the furthest thing from meritocracy uh it really almost your level of effort and skill almost have very little to do with it but i think for me it was probably 20 2012 was probably when i kind of realized like this might be a thing um we signed a new deal with with nuclear blast that got us out of uh our victory deal which our victory deal is a saga in itself, but I would love to like hear about that after band. this, because as a music fan, yeah. I know that there are so many bands with <clears throat> horror stories of victory. Oh, I, I got the horror stories for you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it wasn't great. Um, but we, we did the classic young band thing, which was, you know, you get a contract and you see, Oh, you know, we're going to get $27,000 to make a record. And that was just like, well, we made our first record for $600. So 27000 is insane. Why would we not sign this? Um, so we did. But then all the fine print is, you know, that's the only money you're ever going to get for that and that's record. That's for victory, not nuclear blast, you're saying, right? Yeah, that was okay. victory, right. So 
when we were in that deal, it, it kind of became obvious that we weren't going to really be able to make a whole lot of money other than what we were making on the road. And while we were doing good on the road, it, it, you know, it wasn't necessarily a life changing money, you know, uh, you could same as any job you could get anywhere else. Uh, and so, you know, you kind of wonder, at, you know, we were in that deal for seven years, a couple of years go by and you think, well, maybe, you know, maybe this is just all it's going to be. Right. And then we, when we got to the nuclear blast deal, we saw, okay, this is what a good contract looks like. And also the band had grown. So we actually had some leverage, you know, it wasn't like we were just this new band with no history. Uh, we had some history, we had some leverage, we had some sales, bankable sales. And so that deal was actually pretty good. And I think at that point, when we started touring uh, and releasing records with them, then I think I was like, wow, we could actually keep this going for a while. Uh, and then, I mean, we've been in that deal since uh, 2012, 2013, somewhere right in there. And we're, we're still with them right now. It's crazy too, because I noticed like every great heavy band in that extreme metal genre, it seems like is on nuclear blast. I mean, I just saw 96 Bitter Beings last night, which is Darren Miller from CKY's current band. Like they're on nuclear blast. Mm -hmm. So many great bands are on nuclear blast. Um, but yeah, I, I have friends in bands who have the, those crazy stories of victory records. And I know that's why it like went downhill from there um, for a lot of bands where they had to, you know, jump labels and do something different. But I would just imagine, because uh, I'm just thinking of the point where you knew that this band was it, that had to have been when, at least around the time you decided to do the full throat sleeve, because I, to me, that's a statement of like, <laughs> fuck it, I'm not doing anything else. Uh, I, I wish I had that type of uh, forward thinking. Now, I got my throat <laughs> tattooed in 2005. <laughs> so, yeah, I've had my throat tattooed since oh five. so you're so. basically that was when you're like well this i better i better go all in on this shit because if it doesn't work then i just got a throat tattoo and i'm gonna be i'm never gonna work you know in our office. i i'd love to say i'd love to say i had that much foresight but uh <laughs> i didn't i i you know i think i kind of felt like you know like hey my dream of being a cop's dead and i guess i'm gonna be in a band now and that was kind of it like i saw other guys other metal dudes had it done and i just thought like you know that looks gnarly. I guess I'll do that. I I probably wasn't the most intelligent dude, you know. I'm, it worked out, buddy. It worked it, out though, man. I mean, fit. It yeah. fits perfect now. I, but I didn't right. know. I was, yeah, I, I thought the same thing. Like Ian said, like, well, shit, he must have done that when they got they blown up. He's like, fuck, it, we're blown up. I can do it now. But well, good. good yeah. That's get some good luck right there. Man. <laughs> <laughs> that's, I, you know, it's funny too because like the the banner across the top says the chances we take. That's my oh, pro banner. Shit uh so it kind of fits in yeah yeah so start you glitched so we missed that but now, now we got it. we'll get that's that's classic dude that's epic right actually that's pretty fucking epic right there how you did you, you knew I, you something know, I, wish I, I wish i had more foresight when i was 20 you know <laughs> <laughs> but i didn't so, so i was really, just on a wing and a prayer back then yeah that's how 20 that's how kind of we all were I, but i didn't have enough balls to get a throat tap definitely when i was 20 right if i would have then i wouldn't have got it in the arm see how it works out if I would have got it, then I definitely wouldn't have gotten the army. They would have said, no, you, you're already screwed up enough as it is. Now we're barely letting you. Yeah. Go. And you know, I, I wish one of the, I wish one of the guys at, at the sheriff's department would have said, you know, Hey, yeah, go sign like a four or six year contract and, and then come back. We'll hire you. Like none of them said that to me. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I kind of get annoyed that I, I had like so little direction from adults back then. 
Uh, yeah. And when was that? I was, you said that was the 90s, 2000, that was 2000s, 90 or late 90s, early 2000s. Uh, no, that, yeah, that would have been, uh, no, it would have been 2000. And I think it was the beginning of 2003 when I applied, yeah, like March of 2003. And when they're full, they, they don't, I, I, beyond, and not that he doesn't care, but when they have enough people, they don't have the foresight to say, we may be down, we may probably need to stock up on guys and put them in the right direction. And they just, I mean, I applied for the FBI when I was out of college. I got it. this is mm. nobody told me what I needed to do. It is it's just they did. You're right that that's adults, but maybe that's what we need. It's like, dude, adults is like, hey, just figure it out for your fucking self. Go, I'm not gonna tell right. you shit. Go figure. I think that's honestly what we need more of to our days. Youth is like, quit telling these kids what to do. Just let them go fucking figure it out. And let them yeah. bump their knees a little bit, get a throat tattoo, and hey, and it'll work. And maybe it'll work out. Maybe it won't. Maybe, uh, maybe it will. Maybe it won't. Yeah. yeah, I'm definitely a product of uh, you know good luck. It's <laughs> about yeah. as much advice I, on being adult as I got. <laughs> I don't know. You you've been you I, you mean because you enjoy what you do, obviously, but you've worked your ass off, dude. I know I, I, none of the people For that sure. we've it's had. Hard work. It is you, you. You put the time in. You, nobody. Well, actually, the victory story, you kind of went into it. Now, I guess that's a good segue into what can you tell us more about it? Because I'd like to hear Ian knows a lot more about the music industry. I know about listening to it, but he gets into the the, the some of the down and dirty stuff. I'd like to know what they did to 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 really screw you. And yeah, screw you over is what it sounds like they did. Yes. Well, OK, so when we when we got signed by victory you know, we were on the outside of the music business you know we're a new band um san diego is not necessarily the, the hub of the music scene uh, you know so we didn't we didn't know the players you know we didn't know who had a reputation who was cool sure. you know who sucked we didn't know any of that stuff we just knew you know victory record had darkest hour it had between the buried and me it had hey breed and so those were bands that we liked. And why would you not? Hey, dude, it, it, everyone knows Victory Record. We could be on MTV, uh, MTV2, you know, Headbangers Ball and all this stuff. And then again, you, you get a contract and you see, you know, 27500 That was what our, our deal was for. Uh, and your mind's just blown, right? You, you tell me we get almost 30 grand to make a record. You know, we just did a record for $600. It, you know, you're, you're like this, we, we did it, we made it. And what we didn't know was that, you know, Victory Records has a reputation and the people that run that label and know, own that owned that label at the time, it's since sold. But at the time, they had a reputation in the music industry. We didn't know any of that. And so we sign our deal and, and start doing our thing. And we and then we quickly realized that, oh, you know, the, the, the honeymoon is over now that we signed on the dotted line. Uh, we're in their world and they're going to decide all the rules. Okay. And there was, uh, you know, I guess personality differences or clashes. You can just chalk those up to different people. But, you know, we had a lot of clashes with their staff as far as how they were trying to market the band and what their perception of us was. And then we've come to find out there's some language in the contract that's really not to our favor. And one one line in particular, uh, cross collateralization of royalties. Watch out for that one, because that means is that when you generate royalties for them, right? So we 
our first record them uh it charted on billboard and and went on to sell almost 40,000 copies and this is you know cds uh so there's money in cds yeah not a mountain of money uh you know maybe there's 30 40 50 grand owed to the band something like that well what cross collateralization of royalties allowed the label to do was take that money that was coming in and rather than pay it to us they were allowed to redirect it into marketing costs now the way deals are structured is essentially it's a really bad bank loan so your royalty rate is what you get paid back at and so our royalty rate was 11% very poor that meant every dollar they spent on us you don't pay it back one to one you pay it back with your royalty percentage right yeah. so essentially we got a bank loan at 89% interest right which is <laughs> insane that's predatory lending right uh but you know music industry is the wild west there are no rules no unions no associations it's just Good, more more good luck um so when you when you take let's say you have fifty thousand dollars that a band earned through royalties if you say oh well you know what we're gonna it we're gonna keep this record uh pumped up and we're gonna put all this back into marketing that 50 grand that they spent marketing now think about how much you have to generate to Jeez. repay it back at at an 89 percent interest rate right you're 11 pittance is what's paying back that 50. And so what that them allows them to do is to actually never disperse any funds to the band. Any money generated, they just go, oh, well, we're going to put that into marketing. And then you have to then pay back that marketing. It's like infinite money glitch for the label. Wow. Right? Um, and so that's what happened. And that's what they did for years and years and years and years. And when I uh, say this, we never got a penny from them. That's not hyperbole. I'm not paraphrasing. We literally never got one cent in royalties from them ever. I've never received a royalty check from Victory Records ever. And all in, we've sold about 110,000 albums for them. Jeez, never yeah. seen a, a cent, nothing. Did you Did you so, ever try to go into them and, and try, hey, hey, guys, you guys are, or was it just, hey, we got screwed and you're just going to have to eat it? That's just how it goes. So, yeah, I mean, so then it comes down to, you know, right, like how much of a legal battle can you mount here? Um, and as an underground metal band, you know, the few bucks that we make, they're going to the all of us in the band because, right, you have to split everything five ways. Yeah. And we're trying to keep our the lights on here at home. Um, and, you know, you can look up a really, uh, it was kind of uh, an infamous lawsuit in, I think, maybe 2013 or so. Uh, uh, this band called the Day to Remember, who was on Victory Records, and who was, was let's let's yeah throw in there bringing in all the money. Very popular band, uh, way more popular than we were. Uh, like selling out like stadiums, not stadiums, but like you know really big venues, mm -hmm. arenas, I guess. Uh, so they do have the money to mount a legal defense, and they they're selling millions of records, not getting any money. So they get a legal team and they go after them and they sue and they uncover like $7 million in unpaid royalties. And they went to court with it. It took years to play out and the court ruled in their favor. And, and victory had been doing what everybody knew they were doing, which is essentially keeping money from their artists that the artists were legally due. 
And yeah, so victory, victory lost that lawsuit a day. Remember one, it, you can Google that and see all the numbers right there. Um, and that actually, that, that kind of was the end of the label. Honestly, I think they got bought not too long after that. Um, I, you know, other bands had sued them, that band, the Treyu had sued them. Um, and they settled. I know bands that uh, went on to bigger labels. They, they went through lawsuits, but the bigger labels were funding it to go, get them out of their deal so the bigger label could sign them. That band, Taking Back Sunday, I think, yeah. had that situation. Yeah. Big, like a big rock band. So, yeah, we, you know, we didn't know any of this when we signed, right? You just, you know, you, you see your buddy's band on the label. You think about MTV. And you, see, you see a dollar sign, and it's like, what else is there to think about? Let's go. Uh, and then once you get into it, you realize, wow, this probably wasn't the best deal we could have signed. <laughs> Maybe a lawyer would have been a good idea, but, you know, back to that whole not knowing much when you're 20. <laughs> well, and we are, we do trust. I, I trust. I mean, I mean man, I, I've trusted my own government. Probably shouldn't have a few times. I know one time in particular, probably shouldn't have, but <laughs> we, we do, we do, you know, we do. I, and I think good people generally trust and would like to go back just to handshake deal. I, Cause, but sadly that's just not the case anymore with most crooked people out there. Cause they just want more money, more money. And they'll step on people's, the less talented people will step on the talented people's backs to, yeah. to get, to get that, to get that money. Hey guys, hope you're enjoying this interview with Scott Ian Lewis from Carnifex. Really enjoyed talking with him before we continue our sponsors, uh, they really help keep us going. If you support them, it really helps support the show. And we yeah. also just stand behind all of our sponsors. So if you've been listening for a while, you know that Fort Scott Munitions has been with us since day one. Fort Scott Munitions is a manufacturer of multi-federal patented solid copper and brass CNC spun ammunition. It's designed to tumble upon impact, TUI, and soft tissue, leaving devastating wound channels for faster bleed out and quicker incapacitation. This ammunition was originally developed to innovate and improve on the standard of military-grade ammunition design. It was found that not only did the TUI ammunition outperform competitors in the self-defense industry, but it quickly became apparent that it would be a top contender for hunters alike. With the ammunition being CNC-spun, the tolerances are some of the tightest on the market, ensuring that you receive the same results with each pull of the trigger. Fort Scott Munitions is available throughout privately owned businesses in all 50 states, or you can just go to fsm.com, use the promo code BATTLELINE, one word, and you're going to get 15% off your order. So that's F, uh, fsm.com, promo code BATTLELINE for 15% off. Fort Scott Munitions is a proud supporter of Chris Peranto, BATTLELINE Tactical, and the BATTLELINE Podcast. Um, as I said recently on uh, Instagram, if you follow us at, at uh, BATTLELINE Podcast, We've been uh, we've been saying our prayers, taking our college in to uh, to quote Hulk Hogan incorrectly. And uh, Bob's Naturals has been with us for a long time. And I know it's something that's a part of your mm -hmm. daily life, whether it's the uh, collagen protein, the MCT oil powder, the apple cider vinegar gummies, it's the best supplements on the market. I, you know, it is so helped. In, in, and especially my my recovery from my quadricep tear, my quadricep tendon tear rupture. It has helped me get back on the horse. I, I just it it was 110 out and I went and ran a couple miles a day and you know, I couldn't, I couldn't be at the point I am without taking bubs and guys, it is the best collagen out there. Don't take Jennifer Anderson or her word for what she takes. Cause it's crap. Take my word for it. Believe me that uh, they're pushing myself to the limit and taking that collagen protein, then taking that MCT oil, 
with the coffee. It's great creamer for it as well. It has helped me with the pre-workouts and, and getting that, that, that good little jib I need before I go to workout. So, and of course supports bub and the Glendora Memorial foundation, which is just a, a cherry on top to this stuff. So best stuff out there by far. Yeah. And in addition, if you're looking for coffee, the best coffee in the market, Bub's Brew. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you also got Hydrate or Die if you're looking for hydrate packets. So they're going to have something that's going to fit your nutritional needs, your supplement needs. So just go there right now, bubsnaturals.com. Make sure to use the promo code BATTLELINE. When you use the promo code BATTLELINE, you get 20% off anything that you order. Once again, that's bubsnaturals.com. Promo code BATTLELINE. For any of you checking this out for the first time, make sure to subscribe, whether you're listening on uh, on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, or if you're watching on YouTube, be sure to subscribe. Uh, also, check out our Etsy store, battlelinepodcast.etsy.com. And uh, yeah, that's it. Uh, we're going to get back to the interview right here with Carnifex's Scott Ian Lewis. I'm going to go a different direction now. I think we beat that horse dead. But you know, your music is dark. It's supposed to be. It is. It's, I mean, that's, how do you keep from going down those demon holes, dude, and not coming out of them? Because you, you have to go somewhere to write that music. You, you, it just doesn't come. I mean, maybe it does, but I don't think so. I think just as being human, you have to, you have to go to some dark places to write mm -hmm. that. I, from my own experience, from just being a, a speaker and going to dark places to go do my talks when I used to be angry all the fucking, I was angry all the time. Demner dropped me to putting a gun in my mouth. How do you how do you go to those places then come out of it? Because you're a father and you've got a liar. And and you, you, you seem pretty stable to me watching. I mean, maybe you're not. I don't know. I just, I mean, aside from from the but aside from the stuff on behind you, but how it's do you, therapy. How do you, yeah. It's therapy, man. That that's what it is. And you know, I it, it took me a time to realize that too, because you know, while I was going through this journey as a musician, I'm I'm going through a journey as a young man too, right? So I'm, 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 I, I don't know if it's all young men or some young men, but I, I was really angry when I was young and I, I don't really know why I, I, nothing. Oh, you know, I mean, yeah, I, I had some crash traumas from childhood and, and maybe I was a bit young to see some of the stuff I saw at the mortuary and, and when, you know, I was rolling with the mm -hmm. sheriff's department, but by and large, I came out generally on scathe. Uh, but I just was angry all the time and I couldn't quite figure it out. And, you know, before the band, I wasn't cool. Um, you know, didn't have great luck with girls, was not wanted by women. You know, I was not a cool, <laughs> not a cool dude, you know. Um, and I was always like, you know, tall and skinny. Uh, so it, it just kind of, I, I felt like an outsider. And I think maybe that's probably where some of my frustration came from. Um, and And so I had to channel that anger somewhere. And over the years and kind of reflecting on my my lyrics now that I'm older, I realized, well, that was all therapy. And the thing about therapy is when you go in, you sit down, talk to a therapist, what are you talking about? You're talking about bad stuff. You're talking about stuff that you probably don't want to talk to about in, in you know, general conversation, uh, dinner table conversations. It's a purge. Therapy is a purge. And this is just another version of that. It's therapy, but I'm not sitting down across from, you know, a therapist or psychiatrist. I'm, I'm here with the microphone. I'm, I'm here with a pad and pen. I'm here with the audience who is finding it and relating to that need to purge and, and, and get the frustration out. And 
you know, just like in therapy, you might have a good cry. You might get mad while you're going through it. But when you leave, it's done. It's out. You talked about it and now you can move past it. And that's to me, that's exactly what the music is. Uh, that's that's I, I I completely agree. That's why we that's why I listen to it. I mean that's why it does, and that makes perfect sense. So sorry, my question was dumb. I I no, it's your question, I man. just I just thought you know, and, and especially but now because now is it difficult still to 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 reach down to those lower because you, you, you for me you're you're successful, brother, and your band is successful. Your band's excellent. Um, does this, just the, the, the stuff in there, the risk, and now you added, you know, your latest album, you've added even some, some strings to it. You, yeah, you've added, yeah. you've added more to it. Uh, you know, who's the, the girl she, I just, Wilson is her name. She's just saying on with one of you on one of your song, songs, it wasn't world war 10. It was, um, oh, uh, Alisa uh, from our enemy. Yeah. You've, you've, so obviously you've grown and you're, you're making it bigger. So is it more to, difficult to go to those dark spots because you're it you're, is you're, you're, you are successful because yeah. you're it, it is and and you know actually it's funny because i kind of oscillate between you know hyper personal records and records that are are more kind of universal so there there are albums out there that are that we've done that are super personal and very dark and then there's also concept album out there where i kind of that emotion and i'm so much anymore it's about the branch of it and because that, that was like a big thing i remember as a kid and and thought it was cool you're like 10 years old and you see you know, atf fbi like blowing his house up i thought it was cool <laughs> and then later you learn about it and you realize oh there's a complete psycho behind this thing <laughs> Uh, hey, that's a good thing to write a record about. So that was what Hell Shows Me was about. about okay, and by the way, we, you, cu- you cut out a little there, but I'll fill in the audience. You, you were saying the Branch Davidians is what inspired it. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So that that's a concept album. And then then there's records uh, like Die Without Hope is a, a very personal record. And then the record we did before last, uh, Graveside Confessions, I wrote completely during the pandemic, uh, which was, that was a real kind of yo-yo emotional effect for me going from the band was doing better than ever 2020 was supposed pardon me 2020 was supposed to be this massive year for us and then out of nowhere you know boom we're shut down everything's locked down and out here in socal where we are it was like under lock and key nothing was going on and so you had nothing to do but reflect on your life where you are what you've done and, you know, you guys remember how the news was uh, out of the gate. It was two million people are going to be dead. This could go on for four to five years. Uh, you know, it was like in times. And so in my head, I'm like, well, I guess that's the end of the band. You know, like we're never going to play again. And if we if these things do end, like it, no one's going to be in, in, a, in a place to care about some metal band. Right. We're going to have, a, you know all these people a, are be a, dead, lot, right? a lot of bands felt that way like bands yeah. that i know were saying yeah concerts it's going to be a thing of the past like people were really right. feeling that way because venues were being I, there's venues on long island that are no longer here that mm-hmm. had to shut down for the pandemic and they never came back absolutely yeah and and you know we went from we were just about to leave on a tour uh with a band called three teeth it was going to be this huge co-headline tour and eight hours before the bus showed up you know, it's, it's March, it's March 12th. 
you know, we get a call from our agent saying, Hey, this whole thing's done. Like the tour's canceled. It's off. I have all the crew at my house. I have, you know, $45,000 worth of printed merch sitting in my driveway, waiting to get loaded into this bus trailer. We were all in, we, we were about 70 grand into this tour and, you know, the tour was supposed to make us about 300,000 and that was it. It was done. Tour is over. So we're sitting here on, on $70,000 of money out, no prospects of making a dime. And, you know, like I said, my wife and I just bought a house in January. It was like, figure it out. And that's when, uh, yeah. And then not long after that, you know, because we get an advance from the label, if we do a record, we said, well, obviously we got to make a record because we need some money. <laughs> you know, we got to figure out a way to get somebody in the accounts and it was make a record because we get our advance from the label. So we started doing a record and it was Graveside Confessions and all of those lyrics um, were really just uh, very introspective, uh, kind of feeling dumb, honestly, like, wow, so my whole life sort of just amounted to this wet fart of you know <laughs> it's it's over you know we just kind of unceremoniously just you know ganked the whole thing just like yeah COVID's here you're done we, we you know you're non-essential right was it that the thing yeah essential. non-essential yeah yeah you know so i'm just like wow i you know i really know how to pick them um <laughs> and yeah so that record was personal because you know you're really kind of sorting through those emotions of of inadequacy and and you know how do you measure up and also i was 37 when we made that record so i'm at a point where you're you have some some maturity to look back and and kind of question everything you've done i'm sure all of us have been there at some point where you get on the other side of all these things you longed to do but somehow you're still you you're like wow i'm I'm still me i still am not like i'm not you know some i still question things i i still have question my confidence, question my abilities, question if what I did mattered, does it mean anything? Um, and that's a lot of what that album's about. And that's kind of a universal experience, I think, for, for you know, young men becoming kind of more mature men, you know, which is where I was at. And uh, so that's what I put into the songs. You persevered. Yeah, you persevered through. That was all. I mean, that's that's lesson itself to a lot of those youngsters. And again, us as adults that didn't teach you anything said, go go figure it out on your own. (laughs) Shit. Well, look what. Look, maybe that was a positive because look. Well, hey, COVID's up. I'm non-essential because Doctor Doctor Kevorkian <laughs> said that I'm non-essential, so I got to figure it out. I, I, so I said, I get. I, I think being as adults doing that to us when we were younger, and not telling us, we look back as what an asshole. Why didn't he just tell me what to do? Right. I think it did make us stronger down the line because when shit happened, like, well, we got to figure it out. And and obviously you did because you're you're still kicking ass to this day. I'm sorry, you know, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, no, I, it's fine. It's, but what I was going to ask that I think ties into some of this is you were talking about like your admiration for the military, meeting guys uh, who were in the military, special ops who were fans of the band. Yeah. And the thing that I, you know, sometimes military members, maybe Chris, they, they get kind of offended when you compare other things to the military because other jobs, whether you're in a band, whatever you do, you know, you're not going to die. You're not putting your life on the line. I mean, other than, you know, I guess you could die in a tour bus accident or something like that. But, <laughs> yeah. but the truth is, I do think being in a band, especially a band of your caliber, is very similar to the military, not in the combat aspect, but like 
you are either in a van or a tour bus with these four other guys on the road months on end yeah you have a mission and it's just like you're gonna have to find a way to get along with these guys and people do wonder why bands are never like you usually never the exact same lineup (laughs) when they started as they are now and i think the amount of conflict that goes into like getting this mission completed, getting this tour done with other guys in such close quarters that, you know, if you can't stand the guy, you're going to have to find some way to get along. And especially a band like Carnifex, it's not a band like Metallica where you could say, well, we're going to go home and make millions of dollars. Like, that's not how it works out for you guys. So I've always thought that that was kind of the interesting thing about being in a touring band, especially you who has, you know, deep admiration for the military. Cool. Yeah, so that that is a great question. I'm glad... I'm glad that you prefaced it with the obvious caveat, which is no, nobody's shooting at us. Our friends aren't going to die. Although over the years I have lost many friends, I'm sure. you know, mostly to drugs and a couple of suicides. Um, but yeah, you make some great points because we are gone a lot. And early on, like 06 to 2012, man, we were doing 300 shows a year. So I'm gone 10 months and that wreaks havoc on all personal Mm -hmm. relationships and not just with, you know, the girl back home, your, your buds, like you don't have those, those people stop waiting around. You know what I mean? (laughs) And really what you come to realize is probably not too dissimilar from, from being uh, out deployed is, really man the only friends i have now are the people to the left and right of me that's it like yeah people will say oh what you're doing is cool from back home but you know a couple years go by five years six years a decade those people move on you know what i mean they move on and really you're just friends with the people around you and and not everybody makes it some dudes tap out just life on the road isn't meant for them and to me that always just was like the, the you know and everyone buys to dust like i'm gonna stick around i'm gonna outlast all these fuckers you know <laughs> and uh you know that, that's kind of that that part of me that just like i i some i don't know some competitive thing where it's like i'm just gonna outlast everybody and um you know it it destroys relationships my like my older sister had had kids and i didn't see any of them grow up you know, her, her oldest is now going to college. Wow. And, you know, he, cause I think he was born in Oh one. And so he was like a young kid and then boom, I'm on the road when he, when he's young and, and, you know, she had other kids, never saw any of them grow up. Uh, now they're, now they're all teenagers and, and early twenties. And yeah, you know, it was, it wasn't until I met my wife that I could keep a relationship with, you know, with a girl back home going it's it, kind of like a novelty, I think, to women, you know, and, and you know, respect my wife. She's not like this, but I think a lot of women and I've seen it play out with you know, my buddies, you know, at first, you know, a girl thinks, you know, hey, they hit the lottery. They got this guy in a band and he's popular. And when he comes to town and, the, you know, the venue's packed and I get free drinks and get to hang out. That fades, though, that yeah. fades. And then all of a sudden it's like, so when are you coming back? And it's like. <laughs> uh october you know what i mean <laughs> get back and it's like hey like you know i'm out of here in two weeks and then it's all of a sudden it's not so fun anymore you know oh, which i i think there's probably some similarities there you know oh yeah 
Oh, hell yeah. Know. Yeah. And the, and the, that that stress that, that puts on because even you try not to think about what's going on at home, but you can't. You're human. You're going to think what's going on. If, and if the relationship at home isn't good, it definitely affects the relationship on the road and and, and now I, I this is getting segue into a great uh, this question i have for you it's just not a great question i don't have great questions i just have questions but now you know you being a father and and how has that affected now with your turn because you still got your it's, ian said you're a touring band that's what you guys do mm-hmm. what are you doing though? you're older now though you're you've you've, you've doing it for a while you've figured it out you've got you know it, it son is that right am i correct yeah yeah son which it, you know, his name's actually Ian, which is funny. No, oh, wow, that's funny. <laughs> we're really <laughs> perpetuating the uh, the Ian Scott thing that we have going on here. How do you, uh, I mean? What, what do you? How is a father? And we do have a lot of a lot of veterans that listen. A lot of fathers like myself. With 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 you know, we all have our issues. And 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 you know, I grew up. I missed the first ten years of my oldest son's life. He's in college now, and I still. And I, you know, and my daughter, she's 14 and I, I missed 10 years of her life being gone um, and rebuilding those bridges to being a father again. What do you do? I mean, how how do you do that now? I, and have you stopped? Do you, do you reduce the number of tour dates? Do you now that we have these this this does help. It's it, I hate cell phones. I hate but it does help being able to do video calls where I don't just have to try to find a computer to Skype home anymore or whatever. Yeah. So, well, what, I, what have you done dad. differently? Yeah, I'm I'm a new dad. You know, my 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 son was just born a couple months ago. Oh, congrats, uh, man! I didn't know that here. I sorry, bro. I didn't know that. Congratulations. I, you know, it's it's not something I I really put out there. Um, you know, obviously, no problem talking about it here. But I, I you know, despite uh, the public nature of the band, I'm actually a pretty private person. Uh, so yeah, we I didn't really broadcast it. But yeah, I'm a new dad, and you know, my wife was pregnant through the last a couple tours i did wow and even that was a bit of a challenge you know because you know you want to be there and you you know i uh, you want to be a good guy and and do everything right but then at the same time it's like dad's got to go make money this is my job you know what i mean so you got to find that that balance and really what it is is you said it there with like we do tour less now part of that is uh is because the band's bigger and more established and and more expensive for promoters. There's a lot of radius clauses in the agreements that we sign with them. So we actually can't really tour the way we used to, even if we wanted to. Like the days of doing 300 shows a year, that's that's kind of, we kind of did that already. That's just not, I don't think we could even do that if we wanted to. Um, so really now we're doing, you know, two or three tours a year. So maybe that's four to five months a year, which is, just still something, you know, it's still yeah. almost half the year. Um, and really I, I try to live in the moment as much as I can. So when I'm home now, I try to really be there. And I, that's not something I was great at before. You know, I was always in my head thinking about next tour, next album, next, whatever. Um, and kind of not, not taking my foot off the, the gas as far as my, my work or my, my public life. And I didn't really give my personal life much opportunity to, to just be, yeah. you know? Yeah. Uh, so I'm really I, focusing on that more, you know? I and wanted that, to ask you a, uh, a touring related, like music question. Cause you got the tour coming up in October, which we'll plug as, as we get definitely, out of here, which definitely. should be really cool for people coming out to that. 
But I was wondering your take on this. And I think, you know, like this has been the controversy in the metal world, I feel like for the past uh, couple of years. And I wanted to hear your take on it. Um, what do you think of like more and more bands using tracks in the metal world happening? Because for one, there's those bands like Born of Osiris, who I think they they uh, integrate EDM electronic dance music into their music. So I think if you see a band like that, which I have, and you don't expect to hear some some laptop and some backing tracks, you're listening to the wrong band. But there's been more and more metal shows I go to where they're like, there's not a bassist on stage. The bass is on a track. This The main screams are on a track. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I used to see this more in the pop music world. And I feel like it's really yeah. been a bigger controversy and more prevalent now in the metal world. It is. And I think a lot of that is uh, is it's easy. You know, uh, you know, it's you don't need a bass player because the, the, the way these audio programs are now like Ableton and, and Cubase and uh, just like all of them. It's like you can literally have a, a, what a bass is played play right in time with your click, ta- click track for your drummer. So you don't it's going to sound great. Yeah, a person's not up there, but it's going to sound great. What does that mean for the band? It means one less person to pay, one less person to feed, one less guy in the van. And, you know, you don't make a lot of money when you start out in a metal band. You really got to scrap it out. So I think when that is there, I think bands take it because it, it maybe it facilitates them being able to tour or split the money less ways, or maybe they just couldn't find a bass player. You know, finding good musicians is tough. Um, and so they're they're just trying to do the best with what they have. I there's so many reasons why people use different tracks. Now something like backup screams, that's when I think it gets kind of weird because that's kind of like, well, I don't know if you need that, um, or you just maybe your guy can't pull it off live. Like, who knows? You know, I I try not to judge those bands too harshly just because you you never know what specific circumstance led them there. Um, Obviously, you know, we use a track for things like the the violins and the strings because we can't bring a violinist with us on tour. (laughs) And that's the same thing I was saying Uh, with like Born of Osiris. Like you're not going to hear those sounds live. So, yeah, you're going to have a laptop on stage. I think some people who are the purists, like the Eddie Trunks of the world, like they don't understand that, that, yeah, you're going to have a laptop. But there's there's definitely a fine line between like this is tasteful and this is overkill. I think it just comes down to like, like intention and reason of, you know, reasonability. If your intention is to like fool the audience and think like, Oh no, the guys up here are making all this music. That's obviously that shot. Don't do that. But if it's, you know, Hey, we, we're not going to hire violinists and bring them out on tour. So yeah, there's going to hear some violins coming through off the laptop. You know, I get it. Right. It's like, you want to emulate the record. But and not only that, I don't think people need to see a violinist on stage to sort of get an extra bit of atmosphere. You know, it's not like they're the main show. It's just it's just something that you're adding to give you know, get a little bit of depth to the guitar as a harmony with the guitar or something like that. Um, I think it just comes down to intention, which is really the heart of art is, is intention. And I think if, if your intention is, well, we're just going to try to give them the best show we can, but we're not going to try to, like, pull anything over on anybody then I would say, you know, go for it. Um, but if it's like, if you're miming or lip syncing or a guy's on stage pretending to play the solo that's actually tracked, yeah, that's whack for sure. 
Yeah, I, I and I as an old man, I am. I'm I'm like Clint Eastwood now, sitting on his front lawn, still in the old school. I want to see everybody play their instruments because that's what, to me, that's 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 what I grew up with. And and I do think we get away from that a lot. And to me, I'm a grouchy old fucker. I I I, <laughs> I, I so it's good to hear though that 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 you guys and from what I've seen and, and the videos, you guys are still making tremendous videos. I still wish we had MTV and all that because your videos are still kick ass. But you guys are still all there playing your instruments and to me Absolutely. Like, i, yeah. I want to see that i want to see y'all up there i want to see you do it i don't know how you do it without losing your voice i really i have no idea <laughs> i was that was hey. good i mean i i and, and we'll wrap it up here but i'm sorry i didn't want to keep you long but that was my last and it was a simple question is how the hell do you do that how do you get you got the screams and the guttural and you're doing all that how are you not losing your voice your it's voice technique technique you know it's it's technique and, and after a while it becomes muscle memory you know just just like you going in yeah. the door right yeah. you know it's so, someone go, how are you so fast how are you this how are you that and you're like i just do it i, I don't just know <laughs> and, i mean you do it enough and all of a sudden you're just like you're literally thinking about something else while you're doing it and i guess that's how you know you're you're good at it right <laughs> you know it's like your your mind is somewhere is is a minute ahead or a half second ahead of what your body's doing and and you know i've been touring since 06 and I've, i think i've played over 5000 shows at this point wow. so it it's just it's muscle memory and it's and it's technique and probably similar to what you guys were doing is you're doing it with a, a little effort as possible yeah. to be effective. Yeah. I'm not up there, you know, trying to to blow a vein, screaming my heart out. I'm screaming just enough to get the tone I want and get the sound I want. And then that's it, right? There's no reason to go any harder than that because yeah. now you're not efficient. Yeah. And now you can't go for an hour because I got to do an hour long set. So if I blow it all out on the first song, I'm not, I can't give a show to these people. You know, I can't do yeah. what they're, what they're paying to see. So it's about technique. It's about being measured. It's about doing enough to get it done and, and then stopping right there because you got to get through it for an hour. And being efficient, like efficiency. I say that to my guys when I come train, we don't want to be fast. We don't want to, you just want to be efficient. You want to do mm-hmm. it and you want it. Cause you don't know, you may, this fight may end in five minutes. It may end in 13 hours. You got to, you got to have that energy level. It is a I me, mean, and that's why I, I love having you guys on the show. I know we get a lot of veterans milk, but there is there is some crossover in the way we do things, and then the travel, of course, with the deployments and being away from home. And uh, you're you're spot on. I think having your father and your grandfather and being in that military atmosphere, this is this is a, I'm your therapist now. It's your therapist talking. Is that <laughs> I, I, mean, I, I really I really do think it has helped it has helped you become as successful as you are because you're saying a lot of the key words that we say in the military, whether you know it or not. And, and, <laughs> and, and it's, it's why there's been longevity to your career It's because you have been able to be efficient, but you've also been able to handle the ups and downs. You've been able to handle the deployments. You've been able to figure out what a good woman is and what a good woman is not, <laughs> not. Oh yeah. And, and, and it, it's amazing. It, it's amazing. And it's also, I, I you know, I, I think, people with common common goals and common uh common talents are drawn towards each other and i, I do th- i don't think that was a I, I was it was a shock to see that my scott followed carfax follows me on on it that's that's badass dude 
But now, ta- <laughs> you're, now ta- you're the badass. Yeah, you're the badass. badass. Now talking to you is like, well, damn it, we have a lot in common, and and you have a lot in common with that community, with that special operations community, which is why a lot of us are drawn to the music. Plus, also the music itself, which gets us gets that. Hey, man, you got to go to right. those places sometimes. Yeah. Uh, yeah, go ahead, but I, I, you got more to say. Say, oh well, I, yeah. I mean, I was just agreeing with you, and I think what I think maybe the parallel is is it's when you do something for for a long time, and you know, kind of like a deployment or or you know, going out on an op. Like, I got to go on stage whether I'm in a good mood, a bad mood, no mood. I, I'm sick of it. Like, you know, like great another one can we just be done with this like (laughs) it's not as cool as everyone thinks right like just send me home all right uh we still got to go up there and 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 much like you guys the expectation has to be met regardless of how you feel that how you feel has does not factor into this equation whatsoever you know when i go on stage i have to give the performance to the best of my ability regardless of what i went through and there were plenty of days where you know, maybe I just, you know, prior to my current relationship, because it's fantastic, but maybe there was an argument or or maybe it's not working out or, or fill in the blank, you know, or hey, maybe somebody back home died or you, whatever, you know, it, it, none of that actually mattered when it came time to play the set. I still had to go out there and give it not only the best I could, but I, I had to be, I had to be giving it everything it was owed for everybody who was out there counting on me, my bandmates, the people in the crowd, you name it. And I think when you do that enough, you kind of realize that as people, we have a lot more tenacity than maybe we think. Um, and I, you know, I use it, I use that to uh, fuel my going to do a workout when I don't want to, because I think back, like, you know, there's so many times I didn't want to go on stage and I went and did it. And guess what? I, I got it done. It was fine. It actually felt better afterwards, you know. <laughs> You're like, well, that's over now. Now I can have a good day, you know. <laughs> now I don't have to think about this thing coming up I didn't want to do. Um, and it's like that. I just like, all right, just start your workout and just get it done. And when you're done, then you can say, "Da, I did it. Got gotcha. you." Now I get to, you know, now I get to fuck off and do whatever I want. Um, <laughs> and, and I learned that from from being on the road and just kind of realizing you. There's a lot of value in in cumulatively doing something, just doing it every day and letting it build up to something and and not letting a little bit of discomfort stop you from doing what you know you should be doing. Yeah. yeah. And, and speaking about being on the road, um, you got this tour coming up in the fall, uh, headlining U.S. tour with Signs of the Swarm to the grave. And uh, Last 10 Seconds of Life, that's a band who's been out there a long time. I've seen shows of mm-hmm. theirs many yeah. years ago and i hopefully look forward to meeting you when you guys play uh new york because i'll be at that patch hog date and my friends Perfect. and dr acula who i go way back with oh they're, man they're, they're the local Remember support those, those are guys who have victory horror stories and i, I love they, I yeah love they were on victory as well wow yep, i didn't yep. even know that that's funny yeah, yeah no, well, and, uh, and it's a very different lineup because now dr acula is like a bunch of the original guys and like i said i go back my first gig in radio was fangoria radio and dr acula played and quite oh, wow. honestly everyone who was there i feel like when dr acula played was like what the fuck is, is this and for me i was like this is awesome and all right. they're all long island guys all long island italian guys and like we all became friends and and that was 16 17 years ago so it's it's cool to see them opening for you so of course i'll be there at uh 
Stereo Garden and Patchog. But yeah, if you guys if you guys go to CarnifexMetal.com, uh, you can see all the dates at Carnifex on now X and Instagram uh at scott ian lewis on instagram and man this has been an honor i i still have plenty of questions but we'll hopefully we'll do hopefully do a part two and get to those yeah i mean hey i'm not going anywhere if you want to fire any off but yeah whatever your schedule is uh yeah man thank you the tour is going to be fun i I hope to see you guys out there shoot me an email if you're not on uh, dr Eculus guest list i'll get you on ours uh, that's what I'll do then, man. I'll let you know because I'll be there. Um, you know, I know Chris has to go, but last thing that I'm wondering real quick was, so like I said, this happened because I saw your comments on the Corey Taylor interview. And it was mm-hmm. funny. You wrote you wrote two of the goats referring to Chris and uh, yeah. Corey Taylor. So I'm just curious, how did you become a fan of Chris's? Was it 13 hours? Was it the book? Like, how, how did you? Become you're a not fan? a fan. We're, I don't hate that. I am. I, <laughs> nobody's a fan of my dumb ass. No, I mean, I. Yeah, I think we had a comment, but I, I do. I'd like to do because, you know, I, I, it, it's it's always cool to look at. And one good thing from social media, I hate social media. I, I really despise it. But Same. is that is is these yeah is this these out of the blue relationships and and meeting someone like you and then talking to him like holy shit, that's a lot in common. But yeah, I, I'd like to know. Did you watch Thirteen Hours? Did you see? I did. Yeah. I mean, so I, I maybe fan isn't the right word, but admiration is the right word. Thank you. And you. Like you got to take that one because I mean, it, like you and guys like you, I, I do have a lot of admiration for it. And I actually think I ended up finding you through, um, through Tom Satterley. Oh, no, um, she, yeah, yeah. I'm a, a big fan of Tom and yeah. I, I, I was listening to a podcast, man, years ago now where he, he it was before he had all secure and kind of before his socials have really taken off can't remember the name of the podcast maybe it was uh um military mentors or something like that and he he recounted his his story uh, um about being in Mogadishu and and all that stuff and and it was extremely inspiring to me and i i had always been on the periphery of of, of appreciating stuff like that and i think in 2019 or 18 when i when i first heard him share that story it was kind of the beginning of a lot of the the GWAT guys starting to yeah. tell their stories. Um, it, before that, I think everyone was still serving and kind of in yeah. the thick of it, and and hadn't really started sharing their stories yet. And and, and I I heard Tom's story, and then um, bought his book, started following him, and then kind of started following other guys. Um, and I think uh, yeah, I was watching like Zero Dark Thirty, and then Thirteen Hours, which what I can't remember exactly what you. Year 13 hours came out was it 17 it was, it was six it was right the 16, 16 17 17 okay 16 is is when it came out and then seven it kept going 17 yeah so right around that time frame yeah right around there yeah I, I remember watching that movie and it i mean i have to be honest with you like it the movie made me cry right. um and it was just it that's i think that's kind of when i started to feel like more of this i know it sounds dumb but kind of guilt i'm thinking like damn these these dudes are going over there and they're they're fighting for our flag fighting for our country fighting for the democracy we want to share with the world and you know, we're just back home yucking it up you know what i mean and just there's so much emotion in that in that movie and 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 other films like it um that movie the outpost made me cry too yeah. um i'm and it's just like damn like these guys are the real heroes and it was funny because all my years in music, uh, I never found any heroes. 
to be honest with you. Um, just a lot of regular dudes and then a lot of don't, don't ever meet your heroes type dudes. Right. <laughs> um, where you, you had, you thought you liked a dude and then you meet him and you're like, yikes, <laughs> never mind, Right. Um, and then, you know, I guess it kind of ties back in with, with, you know, my, my grandfathers whom yeah. I respected quite a bit, but they both passed away when I was a bit young. Um, and then, you know, my, my dad, we, we kind of had some distance for some years and reconnected more in the, in the last five or six years. That's cool. Um, so I came to appreciate what, what, you know, his life more and his effort more. Um, and then obviously, you know, different friends of mine going through it. And I think it was at that time that I, that I started to realize, look, the people I want to admire and emulate and use to inspire, I'm not going to find them in the music biz. Uh, and I, I kind of found them in this, in this soft operator community that has really come out in the last four or five years. Um, you know, guys like yourself, guys like Tom, um, you know, my friend Charles, like other, other guys that are now out of it and telling their stories. And that's really been inspiring to me lately. And, and a lot of what they learn, you know, yeah. um, cause they were men in their, in their twenties and in their thirties. And now they're in their late thirties and forties and they're kind of on the other side of some stuff. They have some perspective and, and I glean a lot of diamonds from those podcasts about kind of what to appreciate, when to appreciate it and, and kind of, you know, the transition, right. It's going to happen for me. Eventually I got to transition out of this, you know, this music, uh, merry-go-round, and into real life at some point here, you know, it, it doesn't last forever. You uh, musicians age in dog years, like being a, a 39 year old musician, <laughs> is, you might as well be 59. You know? <laughs> um, it's probably kind of like operators, right? Like at some point people are like, yo, you just, you're too old to be here. <laughs> you know? yeah. And I, I kind of feel the same way. At some point people can just be like, yeah, you, you know, like, you move on, man. Like you lived it. Let someone else live it. Right. Um, so yeah, I draw a lot of inspiration um, um, from guys like you, and you know what you went through watching the thirteen hours movie is it's just a holy fuck moment. Pardon my French, but that's kind of it sums it up. It's holy fuck! Like, how did you guys survive that? Not give up, and now you have a smile on your face after the fact. I mean, that's that's just like a minor miracle in itself, right there. I I still hey I still cry when I watch it too. Actually, I cry more now than I did when I first when it first screened. When I first saw it when I was. It's harder to watch now, but to at least tell you this, and I tell this to all the all because the people that we've had on the show, the the musicians are all people that, and their music before I knew who they were, like yourself, before I even talked to you, it's it's what got us through, man. It, it, I so. I don't want ever you to feel any guilt because the music that you played when we were gone is what tied us back home. So wow. if we're going through bad times, we turn, you turn the music on, man, you turn it on, you listen like, okay, I'm, I feel like I'm back home. I, I, I can get through it. This, it helps us get through the, or if we needed to get pumped up, <laughs> if we had those, yeah. I don't want to go back, turn that shit on. That's fucking stuff. All right. <laughs> it, you know? And, and then I, I ain't going to, make fun of me or not then i had to come down sometimes too so sometimes i had to throw a little yeah. cold play on to come down i had to i listened to it it's okay same but, i yeah, I put lana del rey on at night oh, they, no. <laughs> dude that's still i listened to lana del rey and there was one i was just listening to, uh laura uh, daigle lauren lauren daigle a little while, a little while ago and then i'll put some country on some craig morgan just to come down but 
it did help me. I'm telling you, the music, and I know a lot of the other operators will tell you the same thing. The music, when we were having bad days, we could put our headphones in, sit, and just get the music into us, and it would help us get through. So, buddy, I, I, you're, the path you went on is is the one you were supposed to go on. I, I honestly believe that. You have helped many get through some tough times downrange when we weren't supposed to, you know, we're not coming home for six, seven months. How do we get through it? Put the music on. Well, that and, means a lot to me, especially especially coming from you, Chris. I yeah. really appreciate that. Yeah, thanks, thanks, bro. And I, I appreciate. It. I same. I'm a. I got to pick up my son here in a little bit, so I know we keep going. And we kept you on a little long, but yeah, I, I hope we can get you on again because yeah, you know, there's a lot more questions that and things we can get into. And I know Ian. Ian is a plethora of musical information. <laughs> he can ask questions that I would never think of, and that keeps us going. So, but I appreciate you staying us staying longer with us. Uh, than, than we had you scheduled because this, this this was really cool dude it was really a pleasure talking to you i appreciate and, you having me nah man it, it's my pleasure at all and i i don't live in new york i live in kansas so you, when you come through kansas city let me know because that's okay uh, if, was... if, if you if you ever come to the mid what you do, was it casey mo or which which kansas it, it's a kansas city i i'm south i'm in little i live in rural america now i am in a okay. small itty bitty town kansas city yeah. is the closest major hub but there ain't an interstate within 100 miles where i live anymore doesn't so, sound so bad no it's not <laughs> when, I'm, I'm at that like you said that other edge where you finally want to sit back i'm there yeah. i'm at the, i'm on the wrong side of 50 now so yeah i, I got out of the cities and i'm like okay i just want to chill out <laughs> yeah. and but by keep kicking ass, you are your turn up and you are, you're a great example of what hard work does. And you have busted your ass for many years in a genre that is small that, I mean, mm-hmm. there's rock, but then there's, the, then there's the, the, the death core death metal. I could, I still, they're like, like you know what they are? I'll say they're thrashed. like, it's, it's like the black tar heroin of metal <laughs> because you start with, you start with like Metallica, and yeah, you're like, this is you cool, but I need to get something heavier. Like no one starts with Carnifex. No, you're, that's you're, true. There's a lot of gateway drug to get to Carnifex. Well, that's what you said. You said hate breed. I'm like, yeah, that's pretty much the route I'm going from yep. Metallica to hate breed, and then, oh man, you got Slayer, and then you're going all the way down. Black uh, Black Dahlia is another. One. I mean, it's just yeah, good friends of ours. It, yeah. All right. See, so we got we got a ton more stuff to talk about. I just got a. I I do have an eight year old son that um. I did miss those other two lives, so I definitely try to make it a point to be part of his. But, man, Gotta great be. interview. This was fantastic, man. I, I love it. I love it. And uh, I really appreciate you coming on, man. It really means a lot to me. Thanks. Well, thank you guys so much for having me. Thanks, Thanks dude. And I'll see, you, uh, I'll see you on Long Island in uh, a couple months. Absolutely. I'll see you there. Thanks, Take care, man. bud. Be safe. See you, guys. That's all for this episode of Battleline Podcast. But we're always posting new content on social media. Follow us on Instagram at Battleline Podcast and on Twitter at Battleline Pod. That's an order. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss any new episodes up every Tuesday. Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or your podcast platform of choice. Believe in yourself. Face all challenges head on. And as always, Never quit.